What is that beautiful uh, background behind you? Yes, it is. You know, like we're living in the in the center of um, of uh, Utrecht. That's where I basically have my office, mm-hmm. and uh, this is at the canal. Shall I show you around a bit? Yes, please. Okay. Well, let me unplug, and then uh, you'll find, you'll see. Take us to a tour. Okay. So let me take you around. This is this is like a big cellar, as you can see. Uh huh. Now I'm stepping out. You got a bit too much light, but here we are at the canal. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you can see, this is uh, it's quite a nice place to uh, to work. Um, it's typically Dutch, basically, but uh, I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoy working here. You can imagine. Yes, I can. I can, most definitely can imagine that. I would like to take you around, however. Yeah, the camera, the stand, the lights. I don't think that it will work. I can't really. Yeah, maybe maybe next time I'll do, I don't know, a podcast from the pool or from the beach. Oh, that can be interesting. A lot of wind. That will be a challenge, but it's not as classic European. It's more of a Southern California style. No, that's true. This is really typically Dutch. And you really caught a good moment because the sun is shining. So that's cool. Yeah. Let me plug on the ele- electricity because otherwise we'll be uh, stopped halfway a conversation. <laughs> okay. No, that's beautiful. And the canoe was just passing by and we could hear people having fun. It's a great area. You know, one of the hardest things for me, I studied electrical engineering and computers and electrical engineering back in the day. And the hardest part for me was that I was living near to a student bar. And as I was studying for, I don't know, my final test or whatever that is, you know, it's the middle of the night. You need to focus and study and you hear people having fun. If there is something that kills you and demotivates you, it's other people having fun. And you go like, ah, <laughs> I really want to be there. I don't want to be here. But then it's like, okay, microwaves, how do they work? No, it's my well, it's, 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 it's the same here. You know, like it's very tempting because especially on a, on a, in the afternoon and on Fridays, you know, like everyone's uh, at the beach, uh, at the at the canal, uh, doing their stuff with boats and things like that, and uh, having parties, which is of course uh, very tempting to join as well. But you know, like also at the terrace, work a bit, and then uh, also um, uh, yeah, you know, like um, think a bit. It uh, it sort of is the right balance for me, basically. I must say, like we used to actually have our office here, so we sat in this in this space. We sat, we sat with eight people, but uh-huh. um, uh, you know, like some of my colleagues um, didn't really uh, find it such a nice environment. Yeah, in summertime, yes, because they could sit outside, but especially in wintertime, things were very dark, and they they felt they felt like well, that they were actually in a dungeon. So um, um, we decided to take another office, and that's uh, upstairs. Um, at the canal at, at street level and uh, mm-hmm. that's pretty nice as well and polite so everyone is very um, uh, very satisfied with that experience with that new environment but you know, like for me um, I like it this way it's sort of my wife calls it my man cave so well you basically know what kind of stuff uh, that I'm keeping here right I don't I don't know I, I was just looking at the the poster behind you on the floor 
what is that? I couldn't really see. This one, you mean? Yeah, from here it looks like Hendrix. It is uh, Michael Jackson. It is Michael Jackson. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah it's no. a it's a Ma photo of Michael when he was here uh, in Amsterdam oh. um, uh, just before releasing his first big album, um, and um, uh, he was here. Actually, I know the photographer, and he is uh, uh, at that point. Michael was seventeen, and he was mm -hmm. really just a nice kid, just uh, carrying this. Uh, his uh, uh, his uh, his uh, photo um, uh, photographer thing uh, uh, with him, and trying to make nice pictures of the of the beautiful city of Amsterdam at his first visit, and um, you know like yeah well you know like uh, I really love his music I'm a, I'm a, a child of the 80s, and mm -hmm. um, so that's uh, it's also one of the things that uh, that remind me every day of uh, well you know like and also you know, like. Don't stop till you get enough. Eh? That's also uh, a mantra that, uh, that he has and um, that I cherish. So you mentioned Amsterdam. So I'll, I'll just jump in directly to the first sort of the, the, the first topic. It's like DIA Amsterdam. By Amsterdam. So by the way, are, are you calling it actually DIA or is it DIA? Am I the only it's one who's mispronouncing? It's DIA, it's because it's the abbreviation for a digital insurance agenda, but uh -huh. many people call it DIA, and of course it has a nice touch to it as well, because DIA uh, in, um, in Spanish where we started means day, and mm -hmm. uh, 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 creates something like, okay, today. Uh, DIA is also like the picture, uh, the, 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 the DIA negative picture, that the DIA positive picture that you have on, a, on the future. So there's several, several connotations that we like. So there's many, many people um, here in Europe who call us DIA, but uh, yeah, the, right, the right way to pronounce it is DIA. So what is it? You, and I'm, hmm, I'm surprised if, you know, for the American audience who is less familiar and Although I know many people from the U.S. who travel to DIA, especially Amsterdam. What is it? How did you start it? Well, we actually started um, from a totally different background. You know, like uh, both Reggie and myself are uh, uh, strategy consultants. Mm -hmm. And we uh, used to advise uh, the big names in insurance like Zurich, Allianz, uh, Brands of Munich Re. Um, in what they should do. Uh, to uh, yeah, to move to everything digital and everything data, and um, helping them with those strategies, we we found that uh, banks are really way ahead of insurance companies. You know, like banks really know how uh, what takes place in fintech, and they know how to apply that quite rapidly. And that was really lacking in insurance. So we decided to help them close the gap, and to connect those insurance executives with insurtech leaders basically that's that's what we started doing we did the first event in barcelona and that took off pretty well um and then we decided to uh, yeah to make to turn it into a business basically and that's what we did so we just um, hosted um, the fourth time in amsterdam and we're going to do the fourth time also in in uh, in um, in munich and next year we are returning to barcelona that's where the 10th edition will take place so we're returning sort of to the place where we uh, where we started so back like, to the origin, what, huh? Mm -hmm. Yes, you know, we, this is the fourth edition, and that's also uh, one of our biggest events. Um, uh, Munich is 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 uh, pretty big as well, 
Uh, Munich is really an insurance capital in the, in, in, in the world. Uh, we did some calculations and uh, you know, like the, the funny thing is that um, that uh, when you uh, ca- when you count the number of insurtechs that are one way or the other related to Munich, they are in fact even larger than Silicon Valley. Can you believe that? No, I cannot. And you know, I heard about this small reinsurance that is uh, out from Munich. Uh, I can't remember the name again. I think it was Munich Re. Okay, it's too early well, for Munich. You're right. You're like, of course, it has to do with the fact that uh, both Allianz and Munich Re they are actually on the same street in Munich, and uh, they invest quite a lot in insurtech and are also mm-hmm. present in 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 all the ecosystems that relate to insurtech. And uh, uh, yeah, even also in, in in Asia and in um, and in um, and in the US, of course. So that really helps. But you know, like at the end of the day, we see that um, uh, they are really the kind of companies that make um, that are really committed to mm-hmm. uh, investing in insurtech and using it also to not only improve their their current business but also to uh, create new business models. And um, yeah, that's what we really like. It sort of also, of course, matches with uh, where we come from. And creating those new businesses for for our uh, former consultancy clients. So, and here is a, another sort of a disclaimer about a really bad joke. So the next part will be sort of funny. My really bad attempt at doing that, and it goes like: So, how come the Munich municipality didn't move Oktoberfest for? Munich, uh, D- uh, DIA Munich, because ITC, it's too close. You know, it's like a week, a week difference. We hardly have time to recover. No, you're right. You know, like the, 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 the big thing is, of course, that we take, um, uh, that our current events taking place exactly at DIA Munich. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, Oktoberfest is always so much fun. And we see that really, you know, like, People really crave to get connected again and uh, uh, to meet each other again. And we see that that is uh, more and more the primary purchase of events such as ours. But mm-hmm. adding also uh, the experience of Oktoberfest to it, you know, like just visiting Oktoberfest with friends, uh, with uh, people that you know from the industry, it really creates new kind of bonds. And, um, you know, like uh, I've been there a couple of times. And uh, it's really challenging. Uh, perhaps uh, visiting Oktoberfest is even more challenging than visiting DIA. Um, and especially if you combine, we can imagine that's an even bigger challenge. But you know, like, it's really part of the fun. And uh, also um, a, a nice atmosphere to, uh, yeah, to, uh, uh, to get even more out of, uh, out of the personal connections that, you, that you'll create during the event. Do you find difference between the agenda and the spirit of a Dia Munich and a Dia Amsterdam? Uh, the differences, yeah, the differences are, of course, the location. Um, yeah. the, the whole setup is totally different and the, the kind of atmosphere uh, consequently. Of course, we have the same informal vibe and things like that. Uh, but um, the people that we have on stage are different. And if um, a number of companies are the same, uh, we uh, always ask them, to tell new stories. So there's always new stories about, and also in like the kind of uh, keynote speakers that we have in, uh, in Munich are totally different than the ones that we have in, um, in, uh, in Amsterdam. So for instance, um, in, um, in Munich, we'll have uh, the CEO of Lloyd's um, uh, 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 sharing a lot about um, her vision on, um, well, in like the kind of resilience that we need um, to deal with climate change. 
-hmm. an important uh, topic, of course, um, as a consumer, but also as a um, as an insurance company, of course. Um, we also have um, uh, someone from AXA who is um, uh, heading all their efforts in open innovation and a particular looking at all the new challenges that we have, but also the new opportunities that come with new data streams. Open innovation is really key to move things forward. Uh, well, just to name two examples. And how is the spirit in terms of the atmosphere itself? Amsterdam is known. It gives a beautiful background for for a DIA Amsterdam, and I'm sure that Munich and, of course, Oktoberfest gives that yeah, background. That's a, you're, you're touching a very important point. Like uh, what we hear as feedback huh, from from the people who, uh, who've joined us before is that they really appreciate the sort of festival vibe that we have on our events. So it's not just an event that takes place uh, in... Um, in, uh, in the basement of a big hotel. Uh, what we do is uh, we try to find very uh, strange venues like uh, former factories. And uh, for instance, in Munich, uh, the event takes place in a set of film studios. And of course, you know, like uh, that really creates a different vibe, but also you know, like the way that we like to, uh, well, actually be personal hosts also to the people that we, that we, uh, that we receive. That is, uh, that is uh, much appreciated and, um, yeah, like we, we like to hang out with the people, discuss things. Um, also from our background, uh, we're very interested in knowing what actually is going to take place, what their worries are, what the challenges are. And um, yeah, so it gives us also a better feel on how they uh, should cope with those challenges and invite uh, the right kind of insurtechs on stage and the right kind of speakers who, um, who help, uh, who actually really provide input to uh, to tackle those challenges so that's um, that's what we really like and all those informal conversations that you have at our events that's um, mm -hmm. that's providing a lot of input not only for us but also for the people who join us i love the off-stage conversation Th those conversations that you actually have you know what uh, jay always talk about that serendipity serendipity encounter and meetings that you have you know on the queue to, uh, for the food or at one of the events, uh, you know, while you're waiting for your drinks or whatever that may be, and you meet someone, it's like, oh, you're from so-and-so, or you're dealing with so-and-so, how can we work? And you you create a new relationship, right? It's not just uh, using those uh, matching applications and, hey, let's meet next to table five kind of things. And Absolutely. You know, like we tot uh, we're totally on the same page. And uh, that's also the kind of environment that we want to create. Huh? We want to help uh, uh, actually stimulate that kind of serendipity. And uh, I must say that, you know, like uh, most of the times at the two days on our own conference, I, I maybe mm -hmm. spent like one hour in the room uh, in the, uh, uh, listening to the audience. And most of the time I'm in a networking area. So, but uh, maybe that's not advertising, but it is uh, the, the reality actually. Like I get so right. much out of being there and meeting people. Uh, to me, that's the most value. Well, you're the host, yo. It's always walking the, the halls, making sure that everyone is happy, everything is working. There are yeah. the, all the people behind the scenes that make sure that the operations and everything there is ready. You mic'd up, someone didn't walk away with the mic. The, the speakers are, you know, ready in the, the green room or wherever that may be. It's so much work. And needless to say, I'm sure that you, you know, when we look at Vegas, yeah, but I think it's, army a lot, of it's, a lot, it's a lot of fun. You know, like we are, we, we're working towards, towards like a, a peak 
um, mm. which will take place in four weeks. And then um, we have two days of celebrating. Uh, we do that always with the team. And uh, that already starts the, the evening of the second day. And uh, you know, like, uh, then the next week, we're on to work again. But uh, yeah, we really enjoy just creating that kind of atmosphere where people connect, where people do business. Um, and um, you know, like the measure of success is the amount of happy faces that we see at the event and uh, the number of smiles that we see at, someone's fa at, at, at the faces of our attendees. In the past four years, And, you know, through the 10 conferences that you produce, how, what was the trend? How, you know, what are the different topics that we see, you know, on stage and, you know, on, on, the, on the queue or in those random conversations? Yes, yes, it's a very nice question. Like when we started, the whole uh, InsurTech was defined as the challengers. And uh, so we had a lot of challengers on stage and the conversations that we had in the networking area, uh, they all uh, created, uh, those InsurTech on stage actually created sense of urgency in the networking area. So the people in the room, the insurance executives, they sort of woken up and they sort of realized that, you know, like they couldn't push the snooze button anymore. So uh, they really had to move into action. So that was the kind of atmosphere that we felt also in the networking area. Then soon after, we saw the immediate reaction and those were the insurtechs that are now like 99, 95% of all insurtechs that we have in our database are the enablers. Uh, the people who, uh, who, uh, who create an enterprise, a new enterprise with new technologies to help those incumbents change their game. So that's mm -hmm. the second wave that we saw. And what we saw then taking place in, uh, in, in, uh, in the networking area was the conversations of, okay, very nice, but how can we scale this? And to be quite frank, that's still an important topic. You know, like there's a lot of pilots going on, a lot of proof of concepts, but, um, well, actually one of the insurtechs recently uh, told me, like, I don't want to work with that and that incumbent anymore because you know, like, they're still on a pilot safari. What they're doing is they're trying to work with as many insurtechs in pilots as possible just to create their own skill set, to improve their own skills. Um, but it's still something that we need to keep in mind because at some point, you're like, scaling is so important. And then the third wave came. The third wave is about ecosystems. And that, that sort of started off like a couple of years ago, the importance of working together with companies in adjacent industries. And... Um, uh, we saw that coming already for a long time. You know, we, we saw that, for instance, um, in, in banking, uh, there was already this trend and we saw that hard really reflect in, in insurance. And that, that sort of initiated all sorts of discussions in the networking area. To what extent uh, this ecosystem thinking is really going to take place? That was the first discussion. We also met a lot of people there who said, we're already... We already have an ecosystem, our brokers, our claims assessors, our body shops and things like that. So basically shrinking it, uh, shrinking the whole conversation. And we had others who said, this is a massive opportunity to really create new added value for our customers. So that was sort of the kind of conversations that took place then. And what we see nowadays, um, we saw that already in our last, at our last DIA, is what we call the fourth wave. In it is that um, insurtechs are able to uh, uh, to help incumbents 
to fulfill their social purpose uh, by addressing all sorts of um, challenges that we now have, like waste, energy, uh, you know, like climate change. How to cope with that? Well, Intertex can provide a lot of instruments that, um, yeah, that could be very helpful in in coping with that problem. So we see those four waves across the con- across the number of years that we've been active. And uh, fortunately, we also see the kind of tech firms that uh, that help with that, and also the the the, the pace in which incomers are embracing uh, those each of those ways. But to be quite frank, the three last waves, so that's the enabling, the ecosystem thinking, and the social purpose, they are still taking place sort of simultaneously currently. So it makes it interesting times. Because I'm running around, I don't sit in the in the content in the different sessions. But I'm actually curious to see how insurance is going. To, you know, so not to lead, but at least to follow that process of thinking about ESG in in a proper way and making sure that we have yes. that economic infrastructure for it or the safeguard for it. Yes, definitely. You know, like what we see is that uh, the um, in our view. Uh, the insurtechs and also the incumbents of the future should tap into a couple of important trends. And, and I think you addressed a couple of them, right? I think that the pandemic really made everything that is related to health a bit more important than it usually was. Uh, and uh, we also see that in, for instance, the, the number of people who are currently using their Fitbits, uh, Apple Watches, just to keep track of their own health situation. So that is really still a very important conversation, even on a daily basis. What we also saw is that um, uh, it definitely also changed the way that we look at uh, where we work and how we live. Um, uh, so although you know, like a lot of rebound, a, a lot of things rebounded. Also uh, working at the office again, we mm-hmm. also saw that um, that you know, like it's not so common anymore to work five days at the office. Uh, we're we're more and more companies are actually uh, trying to promote working at home at least a couple of days a week. So what we see is that that has a massive impact on uh, the kind of amounts that people invest in their homes to make their homes smarter and more intelligent. We also see that uh, reflect in uh, yeah, you know, the, the amount of uh, the, the mileage that people, that, people, that people have on their cars. Uh, so that's definitely a second trend. And the third is also what you mentioned, like with the war taking place, um, the level of uncertainty and and which is really unprecedented huh? in 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 our days. You know, like uh, since the Second World War, we haven't experienced a similar situation like that. And also combined with um, disinformation, misinformation, um, the need to be well protected is become and well informed is becoming more and more evident. And uh, you know, like we believe that insurers really should uh, should take their part in that and um, especially like during the pandemic many health insurance basically were silent uh, towards their customers huh? on what they should do how they should cope with situation where they should go to and um, well you know, like the pandemic also um, made those incumbents aware that um, that they needed to to really speed up digital transformation so that's good but um, they're still in the middle of that process and um, Although they're moving forward, you know, like there's still the gap between what customers expect and what they deliver is still becoming bigger. So that's that's basically still a challenge. Yeah, I was 
I was just thinking how the world becomes more and more complicated, especially, you know, and we'll touch the war again and then we move on. Although, you know, me, I, I can talk about geopolitics and the history between things and what we think is calm and what we think is, you know, noisy and our pers- the way that we perceive uh, what's going on in the world is very disconnected from actually what's going on. Right, we we consume everything from certain chan- media channels, but let's not talk about that. But it's well so- to, to to like in in my country uh, in the uh, I live in the Netherlands. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- those trends are really becoming very very tangible. Huh? Uh, to give you an example, we're a very wealthy nation, but um, in the next year, the expectation is that the amount of people that live uh, in poverty will almost double. And uh, that's a situation that we have never experienced. And that has to, really has to do with the rising cost of living and the rising cost of energy. And uh, you know, like energy also reflects not only in, in what you use in electricity in your house, but also the energy that's needed to produce food, to produce everything that you use. So uh, the inflation is currently um, uh, above 10%. Uh, right. And um, that's, that's, a, that's a number that we haven't experienced in, in 30 years. So uh, the impact is quite severe. Uh, you know, like uh, on the news, we see daily daily items on the amount of energy that we got stored uh, to go through the winter, because everyone uh, expects, or at least we need to um, work with a situation where we are not going to use Russian gas anymore. Um, so you know, like those kind of uncertainties, they really play an important role in the in the lives of many people here, and uh, basically across Europe, because you know, like. In the Netherlands, we're not even that dependent on on on, on Russian energy, but in other countries, uh, well, for instance, in Germany, that is way above fifty percent, and the same for Italy, uh, another big economy in and in, in the eastern eastern part of Europe, it's even bigger, right? So, yeah, it is it is really um, becoming a very uh, tangible thing that we see not only on the news but also experience in our wallet, and uh, so that makes it also um, exciting times, although more negatively excited, but. Uh, well, we like we have to deal with it, and um, the question, of course, is uh, what kind of role uh, can people expect also from insurers huh, in that respect? Of course, mm-hmm. they cannot cover the cost, but uh, to offer some kind of protection, I think it really raises the level of awareness that you really need protection to uh, stay out of difficulties, and um, especially you know we have a lot of independent contractors working across Europe uh, who are hardly insured, so there's. There's more and more awareness that this is an important group to also protect when times go even worse than it is today. Yeah, let's talk about something a little bit more positive here. <laughs> no, you know, I think that uh, in spite of all the uh, of all the issues that we're dealing, you know, like uh, the sun still shines and uh, you know, like the terraces are still full. So that's uh, that's also something that, of course, is a bit strange on the one hand and. Uh, you like, um, yeah, we, we just have new challenges, um, maybe uh, different challenges that we had, but we still have challenges and we will continue to have so also in the next decade. You know, the, the nice thing is that uh, what we saw is that it really triggered a new kind of energy also with the incumbents and you like, mm-hmm. but also with consumers. Huh? Uh, uh, think about the speed in which we were all able to work from home. Uh, yep. You know, like that, that took place like in, in weeks, whereas in previous years, in every country, there were long debates. Can we work at home? Can we not work at home? You're like, and then all of a sudden, it was possible. 
uh, we also see the same kind of energy taking place in, um, in, in insurance companies. So before they said, okay, you know, like, let's gradually move to digital transformation. And because of the crisis, they became aware, okay, we, we need to speed up. So there's a lot of positive energy coming from that as well. And to be quite frank, we went through the same journey. Huh? Uh, we were in in-person events and uh, you know, like all of a sudden we couldn't do that anymore. And we, we, we succeeded in switching to all sorts of things digitally that we could do throughout the year. And, uh, you know, like, and we managed to, uh, to maintain a profitable business, but you know, like that kind of new energy, sometimes you need that just to, uh, to, uh, yeah, to re-energize yourself and to change your own business model, your own perspective. So it's not all that bad, but you just need to cope with the situation. And we see that currently taking place as well. And, um, you know, that's also good. You know, like we see, for instance, um, uh, well, take, for instance, we live in the city center. I, I just showed you where we live. Yeah. You can, you can imagine Beautiful. these are all monuments. So if you only want to change something on your house, you need to go to the local government, to the municipality, and they perhaps give you permission to, to do that. Now, with the current crisis, what we see is that I want to have solar panels, uh, solar panels uh, on my roof. I get permission within two weeks. You're like, things become fluid. And that's also the good thing. And that will help definitely to speed up things. But of course, the challenge for insurance companies is to stay in pace with that ever-changing environment. And uh, yeah, to come up with the solutions. You, you, you mentioned cyber, a very important. But are insurance really capable of keeping up with everything that's taking place? That's a big challenge. And I know that they are working on it, working on it very hard. But of course, mm -hmm. that's something that's, um, that, is, that is so important. And this is particularly an area where insurtechs can help them with. Because like, there's so many insurtechs that have been focusing on this square millimeter of cyber already for a long time and created so much skills and assets, competencies in that area, is that the only way that insurance companies can keep up is to work with those insurtechs and really uh, get that energy, that entrepreneurial spirit, and also to move that forward. So this is really one of the areas where I think, okay, collaboration with insurtech is essential because otherwise you'll be outdated. Absolutely. This is really a very important point that you're raising because we also see that reflect in insurtech investments. You know, the kind of uh, the kind of investments really shifted from startup investment to scale-ups, uh, to mature, uh, to consolidation. Uh, uh, venture capitalists that really have a preference to uh, to make sure that their current portfolio is uh, is uh, stays into place and stays healthy. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is that is totally in parallel with what we see taking place in insurance companies. You know, like they first really liked all those pilots and proof of concepts, but they are coming more and more aware that in order to, um, to really transform their own business model, they can only work with mature insurtechs that went through those stages that you mentioned that are more mature, that know how to scale. Uh, you just can't depend, you can't have your primary process depend on a startup. That's impossible. You know, like, and uh, so that's, that's really an important trend, which, which really, you know, like, Apart from the from the valuations that have uh, that have uh, become worse, uh, we see that uh, there's definitely a shift in um, in in where the funding takes place, and uh, that is really in parallel with where um, with where incumbents 
uh, uh, prefer to do business, uh, and that's with uh, with more mature, more scale-ups, which also sometimes make it a bit more boring because you don't see those funny little exciting ideas uh, of someone who who invented something at the attic. But on the other hand, what you do see is um, uh, uh, insurtechs that uh, can produce a track record that can already show figures of what they can realize. And uh, yeah, that helps also you know, like uh, the smaller insurance companies to um, tap into that new kind of uh, uh, suppliers uh, who have really ready to use and fit for use um, applications uh, that they don't have the time for to invent themselves. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of good in there, but it also you know, like um, yeah, sometimes you sort of miss the, the the new sparks from the new startups as well. But you know, like at the end of the day, that's what happens when an industry com- becomes more mature. I, it's you know, you warned me that we can talk for for hours, and I was like, okay, we're going to talk about this, this, and that, and then we're going to turn right and sort of close the loop and talk about, uh, you know, the the work with Clarion events and, you know, future plans. But before we're going to hit that, I, I must add, you know, a little bit more about the startups and how the recession and COVID, everything impacted. It's the, the deals that I see today shifted, right? So if earlier, and I... And I see a lot of startups that are reaching out, and now we see more and more early stages because they are very, as you mentioned, it's very exciting. But at the same time, I, I used to look more on later stages, a B and later, and now we see more and more early stages because this is the perfect time. In my humble opinion, this is the perfect time to invest in those super early stages because this is the time for R&D. So when we go back to a bull market, yes, they, this is when they are already ready and this is where they hit everything. Now they are building. But yeah, I, I love the fact that we see more and more in very specific because they have so much value to provide on those niche products with the technology, improving the underwriting, mitigating the risk, handling better the claims of, and everyone who is dealing with back office Please talk to me. I love that gray area that everyone is else is in play. Okay, can I can I take us now to you know Clarion and future plans? Of course. What Fantastic. would you like to know? Uh, t- uh, tell us something that is not already public. What's it is public, right? I, yeah, it um, is I think public. that just uh, I think, yeah. just days just just days before the IA Amsterdam, um, uh, Clarion events, um, uh, uh, yeah, took a majority stake in our company, and uh, for us that's very good news. Uh, you know, like uh, what we uh, what we saw that um, especially you know, like at some point you need a different scale, well, basically the same kind of story that we just had with, with Intertex, to create more impact, and. Um, uh, the, the kind of competencies that a company such as Clarion with over 200 conferences around the globe has uh, available, you know, like it helps us really to, uh, yeah, to become much better in virtually every process that we have in, in, in creating a better conference, um, in, uh, in uh, uh, our marketing efforts, 
the conversion on our website, uh, but also in like the the, the kind of uh, uh, formats that we can uh, that we can host at our event in the venue. So there's a lot of new competencies, and you're like we immediately have like five new colleagues from England uh, joining mm -hmm. our team. So we're now with um, 18 altogether, and um, yeah, we really got a, a very nice team now. Which also enables us, you know, like, to do much more than we do nowadays. So, you know, like, everyone knows us from the events in Amsterdam and in Munich, uh, the in-person events and the digital service that we have. But for the next year, we're going to do, um, well, basically a range of smaller and bigger events across Europe. And, uh, well, also Tel Aviv, although it's not Europe. Uh, we're also uh, speaking about uh, Tel Aviv, Dubai even. Uh, but really, in every uh, insurance capital in, in Europe, um, uh, not only in Munich and Amsterdam, but uh, we'll host a big event in Barcelona uh, and other events in London, in Paris and Milan, uh, uh, for sure. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's those kind of new possibilities. You know, like, that's what we uh, that we wanted. And uh, that's what uh, what uh, Clarion makes possible. So, uh, no, we're really uh, we're really excited. And uh, you know, we also feel that um, also for our team, you know, like uh, new colleagues. Um, uh, uh, we were based in Barcelona and in Utrecht, uh, in the Netherlands, and now also in London. So we have a very diverse team, and um, yeah, you know, like everyone's really, uh, really loves the fact that we got uh, new colleagues, uh, new knowledge, uh, access to non competencies, um, and uh, yeah. It's uh, it's going to be an, uh, a couple of years that we're, that are going to be really excited with all sorts of new initiatives. Amazing. Now, okay, let's let's close it down because otherwise, as you said, we're going to talk for hours. So I'll ask you the same question that I'm asking everyone that comes on the show. Can you give us a recommendation? It can be a book. It can be what you need to check during a Dia Munich, a, a life hack, I don't know, whatever you like. Well, I think that you, uh, that you already touched upon it. You're like, the whole idea at the end of the day is uh, to meet old friends and to make new ones. And uh, whatever takes place on stage is inspiring and also initiates all sorts of conversations that play, take place at the bar. Uh, but the whole idea is, of course, to uh, to uh, to uh, make sure that um, people connect, not just for the two days, but also after. And uh, that kind of environment, that kind of ambience, that kind of uh, experiencing, for instance, Oktoberfest together, really helps with that. And it, uh, what we experienced so far is that many people really became business friends uh, already for like five or six years. And uh, yeah, to have to see that smile on their face. That's um, that's what we uh, what we uh, uh, what we take pride in. So um, I would uh, I would say mingle a lot, speak to people a lot, meet your peers from across the globe because basically they'll have the same challenges as you have. And uh, yeah, and like uh, it's a great way to uh, reassess everything that you've been doing and uh, gear up for 2023, uh, adjust your strategy plans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, just join us and you'll be inspired. Nothing more Amazing. than that. Amazing. Roger, thank you very, very much for joining me today. I hope that I, I even delayed you from your evening rituals and having fun by the canals. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you a lot, Gilad, for the opportunity. And um, hopefully we'll meet shortly. 
and we'll see you soon.